finally spring. The trees are leafing out, the flowers are blooming, and everything seems new again. And if you've got Cleverhood rain gear in your kit, you can get out there for all of it without worrying about getting soaked. This spring, Cleverhood is introducing a super cool new item, the Zipster Jacket. The Zipster is made from durable two-layer recycled poly ripstop fabric that's waterproof and breathable. It's cut long in the back to keep you covered when you're riding, and it has an all-over reflective print that will make you visible no matter how you get around. Plus, it's sized so you can layer up for those notorious springtime temperature changes. And it comes in four bold colors that are as eye-catching as May flowers. More on Cars listeners get 15% off the Zipster and all gear in the Cleverhood store by going to cleverhood.com slash waroncars and entering the code APRILSHOWERS. That's cleverhood.com slash waroncars, code APRILSHOWERS. Get out and see what's blooming this year in a Cleverhood. This is The War on Cars. I'm Doug Gordon. With me is my co-host, Aaron Napperstek. What's up, Doug? How's it going? Going all right. We are, we're missing Sarah today. I know. It's really unfortunate. She's uh, our designated survivor for this episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, the, this is the day of the Trump indictment here in New York City. So we are who recording knows what this could as uh, everyone is descending on Lower Manhattan. We are in a safe location in our bunker in Brooklyn. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. No cable TV news on the screen. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Also sitting with us is Natish Pawa, a business and tech writer for Slate. Natish, welcome to The War on Cars. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. So you are a fellow Brooklyn bike commuter. Indeed. Showed up on your bike. We're Thank you for that. Of course, of course. Had to represent. So the reason we have you here today is because the subject of this episode, we're going to be talking about bikes and cars and how they are depicted in pop culture, in movies and TV. And you wrote a great piece back in July 2021 titled, Americans are ready to embrace bicycles, but there's one thing standing in their way. Tell us about the premise of this piece. So I started cycling more regularly around Brooklyn, I'd say in 2020, you know, during peak pandemic, a lot of cars were not around and I was enjoying the empty roadways. And pandemic lockdown was also when I was watching and rewatching a lot of pop culture from back in the day and now. And you know, as a regular cyclist now with lots of friends who were with me on two wheels, I couldn't help but start noticing in a lot of my favorite shows and movies that cyclists were not depicted always in the most friendly or loving light, as it were, that they seemed very infantile, emasculated in all sorts of contexts. And once I noticed it in one place, I noticed it almost everywhere. So I was like, okay, what is the core of this? Obviously, this has become an accepted part of American pop culture, but how did we get here? So I talked to my editor and decided to look into it more. And yeah, it's a fascinating story. And part of my research, incidentally, came from this very podcast. When I listened to your episode about Groucho Marx's little uh, Chrysler special, Oh, wow. And, yeah. yeah. And love the Affair way, with the Automobile. The American Love yeah, Affair. Yeah, yeah. The American Great Love episode. Affair. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was, that was an awesome episode. So, yeah, I just was piecing together little bits and pieces from here and there. And that's how the piece came together. And it was pretty well received for the most part. I mean, 
you have a little pushback from people, of course, who are like, oh, well, do, do, have you ever considered what cycling culture does, you know, to, to you people? Like, well, Wait, what, was the, people? What, what was the pushback like? Cyclists are jerks, so they deserve to be depicted like losers in film? That was kind of the implication, you know, like they didn't say it in so many words, but yeah, it it was sort of like a blaming the cyclist for sure. Wow. So America never ceases to find ways to blame the victim. So Nitish, can you give us like, before we delve into this one specific example of this trope of the bicyclist being depicted you know, as a loser or, or 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 a non-successful American. So one example that really stood out to me when rewatching this movie, which I otherwise really enjoy, was the Twenty One Jump Street reboot with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And I mean, this is again displayed so starkly. You see in the beginning, they've graduated police academy. I totally remember the beginning of yeah, this movie. Yes, yeah. They're riding around on bikes and they're not very good at policing or bike riding or just about anything, really. But then, of course, as we get up to the climax of the movie when they're embedded in the high school and as they're like actually chasing down the drug dealers and whatnot, you see them in some pretty sick car chases and and I say they're pretty sick because they do look sick they do a very good job of telegraphing those but that's another way you see them just on a bike they're dorky in a car they're like badass cops so let's take a quick break we're gonna delve into a lot more examples of these and then also just try to talk about why this is happening what is this phenomenon about What are your plans for getting out this spring? Maybe you want to explore parts of your city you've never seen before. Maybe you want to ride out in the countryside. You're ready for whatever adventure is out there. So you need an electric bike that can keep up. That's why Rad Power Bikes designed the Rad Runner 3 Plus, a do-anything e-bike for do-anything lives. Featuring comfortable seating, intuitive tech, and hydraulic disc brakes, it's the ultimate car replacement. Want to bring a friend? For a limited time, you can get a free passenger package. If you're curious about what an e-bike could do to open up your world, Rad offers a 14-day free trial. Check it out at radpowerbikes.com slash waroncars. That's radpowerbikes.com slash waroncars. A Rad bike can take you wherever you want to go. Okay, so first... I think even as members of the war on cars, we should probably acknowledge that cars in movies and TV shows are cool. Like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of iconic vehicles in some of the biggest and best movies from, from my childhood, certainly from classic Hollywood and from television today. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is the DeLorean in Back to the Future. Oh, for me, it's all the James Bond cars. Yeah, the Aston Martin. The Aston Martin or the car chase scenes, like the French Connection, you know? Yeah, like the Italian cars. job. Yeah. Bullet. No, yeah, the, right. The, the your text of that, mm-hmm. yeah. Also the Batmobile in both the, right. tele- the campy 60s TV show and then the various Christopher Nolan, Tim Burton iterations of Batman. Or even mm-hmm. um, Vacation, Chevy Chase with that ridiculous station wagon. The car is like, it's not cool, but it's still cool enough to be almost its own character in the film. You For know, sure. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like a, it's an event. The Cars movies, Pixar, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Of course, of yeah. course. Kids think that's cool. Adults think that's cool. Um, Lightning McQueen is a great name. Yes. Doesn't get cooler than Lightning McQueen, <laughs> for sure. Mad Max? I mean... Come on. Like, mm-hmm. even in a future where there could not possibly be any gasoline being manufactured, they have all these cars, mm-hmm. flamethrowing cars. It's really like, why aren't they riding bicycles in Mad Max? They could have just, like, laid down their weapons and solved because everything. Because it's not cool. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, rock out on a guitar on the front handlebars of a bicycle. And yeah. look, in the apocalypse, what's going to matter is how cool you look. Still, <laughs> exactly. you know, exactly. when, when we're all feuding over water, it's like, how cool do you look doing it? Yeah. Mm. And uh, speaking of cool, the thing that came to mind instantly is John Wick. You know, John mm, Wick 4 yeah. just came out. Keanu Reeves as an assassin. The entire four film franchise is premised on his wife has died. And the last things that she gave him before she died were a puppy and a car. <laughs> and Russian assassins come and they kill the puppy and they steal the car. And that kicks off his entire murderous rage through the entire series. Okay, but the Fast and the Furious, I mean, if we're talking car movies, and there's like 10 of them, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I just saw a trailer for the latest one, Fast X. Fast X is like an emodium or something like that that I think I would take. <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've established now mm. that cars are cool. But the problem is, and this is the premise of your piece that that brought you here, you're a total loser if you ride a bicycle in a movie. Mm -hmm. So can we list some examples before we really dive into the the stuff we want to talk about? I mean, the obvious one that comes to mind is Pee-wee's Big Adventure, although I I could do a whole thesis on why he's actually, he's the hero, right? It's the hero's journey, but he's the man-child. It does seem to be the case that there are a lot of these figures, they're not necessarily like bad people or loathsome people, but they are expressly uncool or like nerdy people, ultimately. And they're always suffering in some way, whether it's in their relationships or their jobs or some other part of their life entirely. So speaking of suffering in their jobs, Quicksilver, 1986, mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon, he's a like a stockbroker, a commodities trader. He loses everything, the family fortune. And to make him completely the opposite of this high-status job, he becomes a bike messenger, like mm-hmm. a low-status job, especially in the mid-'80s right. in cities like New York or San Francisco. When Wall Street was what you wanted to get to. And, and there literally was that, a movie yeah. called Wall Street. Yeah, yes, exactly. yes, exactly. <laughs> One of the big ones that comes up for me was the early 2000s movie I Heart Huckabees. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made it into your slate piece or not. I did mention you it. You did mention it? Yeah, well, that was, I got to give credit to the great Zach Furness for his book, One Less Car, great who book. also mentions that. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a 2004 David O. Russell movie, and the premise is that there are these two detectives played by Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin, and they're like existential detectives, like helping their clients discover the meaning of life. But then the Mark Wahlberg character, so Marky Mark, big, strong, (laughs) muscly Marky Mark, he is a firefighter, but he bikes around Los Angeles and is kind of this real losery character. And I think that one comes up for me because I think I was starting to become a really big bike commuter at that time myself. So I was like, why is this guy being depicted so, like, why is he such a clown on the bicycle here? Streets mm-hmm. vlog launched two years later, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So perhaps you can tie it to I Heart yeah. Huckabees. I mean, I think you were talking about being a bike commuter in L.A. The best example of that, Natisha, you put this in your piece, is the 40-Year-Old Virgin, the Judd right. Apatow, yes. Steve Carell film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see from Jump, right? Here's Steve Carell. Here's this 40-Year-Old Virgin 
And here's what he does. He goes and bikes to his little tech sale job with uh, all these other kind of like nerdy loser guys. And you see him with the helmet on and people are always harassing him, not only, you know, when he's going to lose his virginity, but also when he's going to stop riding that stupid bike. Hey, Andy. What's up, dude? Hey, hey, Joe. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? When you going to get a car? Hey, hey, why don't you get a car? I can't afford it. <laughs> it's the most overt shorthand of let's establish this character as a huge loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the right. first thing you Absolutely. know about him. I mean, the, the only things you know about him... And like you said, in addition to his job, also is that he collects action figures that he never takes out of the package. Right, right. And so he's a man baby. He collects toys, he rides a bike, and he's never had sex. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when he is like slowly starting to make the moves on Catherine Keener's character, the fact that he does not have a driver's license and rides a bike comes into play. Okay, what time do you want to pick me up? Um, uh, let's see, um... That's actually kind of a problem because I ride a bike. That's cool. Are you kidding me? I love getting on the back of a motorcycle. My boyfriend in college drove a motorcycle. So, I mean, yeah. I'm cool. Yeah, I bet that was cool. I ride a bike, bikes, bicycle, bicycle. Oh. And I love that. Steve <laughs> Carell's great, great in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Another one that comes to mind also... Los Angeles, California-based, is Arrested Development. And it mm-hmm. literally is the symbol of this family, the Bluth family that's fallen. The father has committed fraud, financial fraud. He's in prison. And I think in season one, we established that Michael, Jason Bateman's character, rides a bicycle in Los Angeles. Again, that contrast of like the worst place to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. So that if you are riding a bike in LA, something must be wrong with you. Michael Bluth always rode his bike to work. But the recent heat wave had taken some of the fun out of it. It had also caused problems in his presentation to the Bluth Company investors. There's no screw-ups with the permits. This so he's like all sweaty and dripping on this slide projector, and like ruins the slides. Um, tell you what, let me get some of this oil. Well, as you can see, well, the important part is here. And he usually rides in a suit, too. He's in a suit. Sure, yeah. They think you're full of I think it's the sweating. Gotta get a car. Don't worry, I told them the truth. That I rode here on a bike? That the permits weren't filed. I will say one thing that I'm noticing in our list of examples here is they all seem to be pretty Los Angeles based. And I wonder how much of this is just like some Los Angeles view of, you know, manhood, status, Mm -hmm. transportation. It is Hollywood, right? And it is Hollywood in the land of the very sprawling city, county, where everyone is basically expected to have a car. So you mentioned earlier, Doug, if you have a bike, what is wrong with you? What are you doing here? Yeah, like if everything were centered in New York, (laughs) you know, and you showed someone biking now, it probably wouldn't convey the same low status idea. Than right. it does in Los Angeles. I mean, right. everyone would take the subway in a New yeah, York based, yeah. unless it's Seinfeld or the seventies. Yeah, or the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. the Seinfeld one is interesting because obviously Jerry has his bicycle hung up in the back in that little hallway oh, in his apartment. Right. Yes. And then at one point, I think in the final season, they just like allude to it, like, "Oh yeah, I don't ride that thing." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as to other New York examples, I will say I wish I had included this in my piece because I love the show, but. One very positive example, I would say, was Broad City, 
where you often see Ilana and Abby riding around on city bikes, which obviously were pretty new around the time the show kicked off. So yeah, that was, I thought, like a very wholesome, very fun way of showing them actually getting around the city with uh, different means. Yeah, and it's a great example because they are somewhat low status. Like they have all of these sort of like really crappy jobs throughout right, that, throughout yeah. that, you know, like she's working at a gym at one point, like cleaning mm-hmm. out the showers, but, right. but they're cool. They're in their twenties mm-hmm. making it in New York. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To me, the ultimate New York city bike movie of recent years is premium rush. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that one? Yes. Oh, so yeah. like, I don't know, 2012 or so Joseph Gordon Levitt and he's playing this kind of, you know, bike messenger pirate of the streets but even there, that bicycle is depicted as this like tool of kind of wild aggression. He is biking around the city almost like it's a French Connection car chase, you know, <laughs> including on sidewalks and buzzing through pedestrians and crosswalks. Terrorizing senior citizens. Yeah, it's a pretty like, the, <laughs> like it's an actual like terrorist tool, the way he uses the bicycles. I will say, though, it still looks sick the way exactly. he like cool, zigzags though. through everything and also the little visual Easter egg they throw in there where he's kind of visualizing his path in advance as mm. he's like trying to figure oh, out yeah, like a bat how or to, something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Zoom through like a car pedestrian on his path. I mean, I've had very similar situations before. So yeah. although I, I'm usually not riding as fast or as aggressively as he is in that movie. You're not outrunning people trying to murder you, basically. No, no gangsters. Usually and, not. No, usually not. It did do a great job though of depicting like how it can feel like exciting and exhilarating mm-hmm. and f- kind of thrilling to bike in the city. Totally, yeah, because yeah. they are doing it in like downtown Manhattan. They're all in on the most congested part and they're still making it work for them somehow. Yeah. All right, so another example that came up and it's very current, Abbott Elementary. Are you yes. guys fans of Abbott Elementary? I, uh, it's I great. love that show. It's so good. There's the character of Jacob who teaches history. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, the only white male teacher in this all black school. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Chris Perfetti, who's really hilarious. And there's a great scene where it is implied that he rides his bike to work. Mm-hmm. And this scene, I feel like, does in just a few short lines everything you need to know about the characters involved here. Here he is talking to the character of Ava, the school's principal played by Janelle James. I, for one, loathe that we live in a surveillance state, but is there any chance there is a security camera pointed towards the bike rack? No, a camera is pointed at the drop-off line so I can see which dads have nice cars. Why? A bike has gone missing. Who would steal a child's bike? Well, maybe not a child's, but an adult's. Your bike got stolen. (laughs) I saw an, like, unfamiliar man milling about the rack this morning. Okay, well, what did he look like? Uh, I would say he had a, you know, somewhat curly and spherical haircut. An afro. Some might call it, you know what, this feels reductive. No, 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 let's get to the bottom of this. Would you describe this person as someone who might have difficulty getting along? You know what, it's fine. (laughs) Was it really ever my bike anyways? You know, does anyone really own anything? I suppose I won't be needing this. Yeah, he then tosses his bike helmet in the lost and found, which yeah. is a great little touch. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I love that scene. It's like everything. Also, the fact that the principal Ava there like judges the dads by what cars they drive yeah. to the drop-off line. It's just so perfect. Cars are a way of judging men, and mm. Jacob looks like he's twenty-four going on fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like he's really yeah. like kind of scrawny, and he is a bit childish and mm-hmm. not cool. And he rides a bike that got stolen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, this is all just, it, it really illustrates what, what we're up against here at mm-hmm. the War on Cars, right? I mean, like that principal's joke, I mean, it was, it was excellent. Oh, it's you so know, good. About yeah. like just yeah. wanting to check out the dads and their fancy cars. But yeah, it just it's so deeply embedded in our culture in a way that's almost invisible. You know, yep. that, that the car is this thing that normal people, cool people, sexy people, like... You have to have a car if you want to be one of these kinds of people in American society. It's just like, it's so deep in us. You know? It's taken for granted, essentially. I mean, I grew up in Michigan, which is obviously car state. And there's a lot of things I love about the place. And they've made some pretty solid strides in biking infrastructure in certain cities. That being said, when I was growing up there, obviously the expectation was that I would drive everywhere, even though my high school was close enough to bike to, and that, yeah, if you don't have your driver's license, if you don't have all these other things, what are you even doing, right? And there's a part of that that, of course, is necessitated, unfortunately, by our infrastructure, but it is also culturally imprinted in all of us, and that was what I really wanted to try to get to the bottom to in my piece. How did it become Take It For Granted? Because... You watch movies that are made in, like, Europe or even I'm Indian American. I grew up watching a lot of Indian movies. And there are a lot of very positive cycling depictions. You know, Bollywood song sequences, like the heroes, or, like, you know, little love songs, whatnot. Or in French movies, Italian movies, there's quite a bit of cycling around. The Bicycle Thief. I mean, yeah, Bicycle Thieves, (laughs) the classic movie, the very sad movie, but very good movie. Yeah, It is, I feel like, a very American thing, and it ties into so much that gives us our car culture. Did you find in researching your piece that there were early American films that didn't have this? Because obviously the rise of cars and the rise Mm -hmm. of Hollywood sort of happens just maybe like a decade apart from each other. Are there any early depictions that you feel like, okay, like we could have taken a different path here? (laughs) Well, it's funny. I feel like there are a lot of cycles in like silent films, whether that's Keaton or Chaplin or Harold Lloyd. But at the same time, a lot of those are comedies, right? And they're very physical comedies. So if the bike is in there, it's probably being used for a gag. However, I will say a lot of the cars in those movies are also used for gags. And so it feels a little more equal opportunity, I guess, than it is now or has been for decades at this point, really. Yeah, I mean, isn't Buster Keaton, like, it seems like as soon as the car emerges as a kind of a mainstream tool of transportation, he was kind of just like, all right, how do we crash this in a movie? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or got to crash one of these things. There's the general where he's on a train for most of the movie, and that one is also just a great source of comedic joy throughout. But yeah, th- there is definitely, I think, less hostility, per se, the laughs are that you have at those movies, whatever the gags, like they're still like fun laughs. They're not necessarily like mean. All right. So t- to bring it back to current pop culture, Shrinking, the Apple TV series with mm-hmm. Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Natisha, are you a fan of the show? 
Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's it's another very like wholesome sort of like family style sitcom, but it also unfortunately starts out with pretty much from the beginning with a very telling bike scene involving Jason Siegel's character. Yeah, I was I was watching the show and I was thinking much like the 40-year-old virgin where in the first 3 minutes of that film you know everything you need to know about Andy about Steve Carell's character in the first 5 minutes of this show we learn that Jason Siegel's character his wife died in a car crash no less mm-hmm. a year before and he's like he's drinking he may or may not be hiring prostitutes to hang out with him he's estranged from his daughter his daughter just wants to have nothing to do with him and in the very morning that like the show starts off, like he's out on the lawn saying goodbye to her as she huffs off in someone else's car. The sprinklers go off on his front lawn and he gets doused. So it's like, oh, look at this pathetic loser. And then he's got to go to work. He gets in the car. It's empty. Mm-hmm. There's no gas. It won't start. And so what does he do? He hauls his daughter's bike out of the garage, including a pink helmet, and rides again in Los Angeles or someplace in California. Aaron, we talked before we recorded this, and you said you wouldn't even watch Shrinking based on the preview. So I was introduced to this TV series by a uh, like a 30-second ad on Twitter, and the entire ad was basically just like Jason Segel kind of looking miserable, biking down the street on like a kid's bike, and then a woman throws open her car door into his path, and he gets doored. He just smashes into the door. And like, honestly, I mean, that's kind of my, like, Doring is my nightmare. Like, it's not, it is not a source of humor for me at all. Like, I hate to be this guy, the humorless guy in this case, but like, it's just not funny. Like, Doring is terrifying and, you know, getting doored. And then I've like literally come across, you know, a woman in my neighborhood who was doored and she fell to the side and then she was run over by a truck and killed. Like, there's nothing funny about Doring. So I saw that Twitter ad and I was just kind of like, I don't want to fucking see this show and Harrison Ford, like as a elderly shrink, get the fuck out of here. Like, (laughs) I don't need this. So it just, it actually just completely turned me off and made me kind of upset at this, at this series. I will say it has gotten to a point now too, where like the trope is tiresome, right? Because we have seen these moments now where, yeah, there's more, cycling infrastructure in cities everywhere like every time i go back to visit michigan or i go to a city like detroit or something i see more bike share or in nashville or in other cities you would not necessarily think of as like biking cities as it were so at this point you'd think we'd be able to move beyond like leaning on that as a lazy crutch right but unfortunately it does persist Another smaller example I'm thinking of, I don't know if you've watched the show Girls 5 Eva. Really fun show, a lot of like 30 Rock alumni. The Sarah Borelli's character, her husband is sort of like this very soft-spoken, meek, kind of like homey guy who like while his wife is very ambitious, like trying to reclaim her old stardom and... One of the big things that's shown is, yeah, he's a huge cycling enthusiast. He's always watching cycling on TV. Sometimes you see him in the spandex. And it's just another like sign of what his character is supposed to be. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. But like, eh, you know. It's like, why can't, I, why can't the bike just be normal? 
Right. You know, why can't it yeah. just be like, it's in the background. It's like Jerry Seinfeld's bike mm-hmm. on his wall, but it gets used every once in a while. And it's right. just not even like worthy of note. You exactly. Know? Or maybe there's a good episode, like, mm-hmm. you know, the George parking episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, where like there's an entire episode built around finding a parking spot. Maybe there could be an entire episode yeah, built around yeah. like finding a bike parking spot. I don't know. But, That'd like, be a very would... short episode. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it would be interesting. Oh, wow. The bike rack's full. Well, there's mm-hmm. another bike rack across the street. Great. Done. Hey, I will say, uh, city bike these days, sometimes it's a little harder to find a dock than other days, so you, you, you can make a little... Yes, but you're not going to get into a 22-minute standoff with the person who gets to the bike share station before you. You're just going to look at your phone and be like, oh, there's another city bike station like three blocks away. I'll just ride over there. Go, go ahead. Yeah, you take. That, no one, that's a good point. No yeah. one gets murdered. I could see kind of like a, like a Homeric Odyssey type of you know, episode where somebody is just like going from city bike dock to city bike dock and like different <laughs> crazy things are happening. You at could each definitely spot. see Kramer coming up with some scheme <laughs> where he's just like rebalancing the bike share system himself to and get be- points to get points mm-hmm. or, and be- he becomes like an unofficial worker for city bike for sure. But so one TV series that does have a kind of some normalcy around the bicycle, a recent sort of hit TV series is Ted Lasso. And it actually shares some DNA, I believe, with shrinking. Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent on Ted Lasso, is a producer and writer on shrinking. Right. So the premise of Ted Lasso, basically, this American football coach is shipped over to England. He's played by Jason Sudeikis. And he goes over to um, coach a British football slash soccer team. So bikes and cars and walkability actually play a huge role in this show. And they establish character in really interesting ways. So ironically, Ted Lasso, the middle American kind of goofball doofus, he lives in a really lovely, walkable part of Richmond in London. There are many scenes of him and his assistant coach and other people walking to his apartment on this very narrow, no cars could fit on it, lovely street, like something out of a Hugh Grant romantic right. comedy. And everybody or hangs out at the pub and it's just it's sort of idealized kind of urban village environment. But cars play a really big role with the other characters. So Rebecca, who is the owner of AFC Richmond, she is chauffeured around in a Rolls Royce, and there are many scenes where she is talking to someone else, like from the back window rolled down, like a very status-oriented, I'm in this luxury car and you are not sort of symbol. My favorite is Roy Kent. Everybody's favorite is Roy Kent. He drives this like armored up Mercedes G-Class luxury (laughs) SUV, you know, that kind of like military-like black vehicle. It's totally appropriate for his character. Tough on the outside, but comfortable and warm and nurturing on the inside because there are lots of scenes where he and his love interest, Keely, or uh, his niece, Phoebe, he's shuttling her around like the literal definition of a soccer dad. And so <laughs> yeah. there's all these, so it's very fitting, like tough on the outside, nurturing on the inside. So it works really well. And it's not accidental that that is the car that they chose for him. And there's a whole folding bike thing happening in Ted Lasso too, right? Yeah. So in season two, they bring in... Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, she's played by Sarah Niles. She's brought in to help the team, one player in particular, get over some past trauma that's affecting his performance. And of course, like she bonds with Ted Lasso and helps him through his depression. But she she rides a, a Brompton. Huh. That's cool bike. Oh. <gasps> that's not a bike, that's a transformer. Yeah. She really is more than meets the eye, ain't she? Hey Doc! It's a kind of significant scene because she's entering the player's lot, right? Which is where all the luxury SUVs and sports cars are parked. 
And I think it's probably important that it's a Brompton because it's, first of all, it's very British, right? It's a British brand. It's very associated with London. And I also think like her character, you don't know much about her because she's a therapist. So she doesn't reveal herself to the players. But we learn little secrets about her personality over a couple of episodes. And the Brompton makes her wow, there's like something deeper. It's not just a regular bike. It's this cool transforming bike. So I I kind of like that detail. So that's an interesting example. That is where the bicycle is for once being used to kind of, I don't know, enhance somebody's character, make them, give them more depth, make them cooler, more interesting. Yeah, she is not a loser by any means. That's pretty rare. That's very, this is like the opposite of, I mean, is there any other example of that? Like where I'm breaking away the 1980s movie, (laughs) but that's about bicycles. Do you have anything? So this show, unfortunately, got canceled prematurely, like so many others. But um, I don't know if either of you watched Flatbush Misdemeanors on Showtime. No. Really lovely Brooklyn-centered show with a couple of protagonists who are local creatives here. One of the big things is one of the characters' dads uh, works at a bike shop. He owns this place called Kareem's Bike Shop. And, I mean, he's a bit of an out-there guy, but he's ultimately a very nice and very skilled guy, clearly, when it comes to watching over his son or other people. And there's a there's a fun promo Showtime had cut for the show where Kareem is putting on, like, a little TV ad for his bike shop. And at the very end of it, he says this great line that I love. We can't guarantee life going to be easy, but with a bike from Flatbush Larry's, at least the ride going to be smooth. (laughs) So that's like one of the rare examples where I was like, these characters are also still kind of lower status, like Brooklyn working class people, but they're not dumb idiots. They're part of the community and they're they're, likable yeah Yeah. they're likable and they're in a place that is also part of the community and that lots of people come to whether to browse for bikes or for other purposes i want to bring it back to ted lasso because they're Mm -hmm. in the in the new season Mm -hmm. it's very explicit how much cars signify status so there's the character of nate who's the former kit man for Mm. richmond very low status job he becomes the assistant coach and then he goes to the rival team to become the coach West Ham United and he shows up to the stadium and enters what's called the prestige lot and he's riding you know which to us I think probably seems like a really cool car but like Mm -hmm. this kind of puke green mini and not even a new one like an old one and he's parked in between a Ferrari a McLaren a Bentley all the players cars and that basically the idea that they're playing with here is Nate just knows he doesn't belong. He's out of his league in many ways. And there's a really pivotal scene later between him and the club's owner, the very odious Rupert Mannion, and it plays out over this green mini. Mr. Mannion, the car is being removed from the lot as we speak. Ah, good. Security thinks one of the new cleaners must have parked in the prestige lot by accident. <laughs> yes. And accidents have repercussions. Just want to just have a look. Um, yes, that's my car. Sorry. Is it really? No. Um, well, yeah, oh, yes. I mean, it's one that I drove here in, but um, is anything really ours? 
I, isn't that, I can, it's kind of funny because the Abbott Elementary, they mm-hmm. make the same joke. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not accusing anyone of plagiarism, but it's like both characters want to deny that this thing that is theirs is actually theirs. Like, right. oh, no, 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 that's that's not mine. <laughs> right. uh, you mm-hmm. can't judge me by my association with this thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty funny. But in Abbott both. Elementary, it's the bike rack, and in this, it's the prestige lot. Yeah, it's all about parking. In, <laughs> yeah. In, yeah, It's parking all the way down. Yeah, every every issue relates every to episode. parking. But then this is settled by the end of the episode. Rupert gives Nate a brand new silver Aston Martin. So he finally fits in. He finally belongs among the elite. And there are fancy cars. And like this really awesome, I think it's a Beyonce song that plays at the end of the episode. And it's like, they're really amping up. Okay, now he fits in. Now he's cool. Another facet of pop culture, not necessarily movies or TV, where you see that sort of thing a lot, you know, car as status and bike as, you know, sort of a thing to grow up from is rap music. You know, you have so many videos, past and present, in which bikes are featured, sometimes negatively, sometimes not often, but it is always kind of like a growth thing. I'm thinking about Old school Buster Rhymes, leaders of the new school, when he was in that group, their song Sob Story, you see him at the beginning of his verse. He's riding a bike along with some of the other members, and it's about him figuring out that he needs to really step his game up, earn some money, get a job. It was a fidgety burn, and then I said, wait, I got pride. It's time to get my own ride. I came up with the scheme and got paid. I had no other choice but going down with the train. And then you later see him in this pretty nice car. Because I got my cherry pass vodka. Now I'm feeling good because I'm off my feet. Been a little squad of dogs running up on the street. And all of a sudden he's talking to women. So it's a classic path, right? Although I will say, one rapper who tends to buck this trend a lot, I think in a very wholesome and aspirational way, I would say, is uh, Tyra the Creator. He often is seen Mm -hmm. writing just like a simple bicycle, especially in a lot of his latest music videos. And, I mean, he looks like he's having a great time, so... I hope the rest of us can well, as well. And he's so, Tyler, the creator, is like so cool and kind of, yeah, He, I feel like that's part of the persona there too is like he's a little bit different from, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's doing something kind of special, like off kilter or something like that. Right, totally. It's very colorful. It's very kind of out there. But it seems like the kind of space you'd want to inhabit. But, you know, I wonder, I often think about how how much of this is, it's like a chicken and egg problem, right? So, like, how mm-hmm. much of this is, if you had these pop cultural figures and, like, these very popular TV shows and movies, if they did depict, I don't know, riding the bus as something mm-hmm. cool, would then the rest of our culture kind of tag along? Or is this just something that's being led by, unwittingly, by policymakers and highway builders and city planners and you know, we we create this environment where the automobile is inevitably necessary. And if you don't have one, then you're not a fully functioning member of society. And therefore, you can't take, you know, women on dates or whatever, whatever the cool thing is. So which is it? Do we need the culture makers to make this change? Or do we need the policymakers to make this change so that the rappers can ride the bus and be cool riding the bus? I'd say it's a little bit of both, but I do think that, yeah, there's a lot that really depends on policymakers actually not only making it so cycling around is a more conducive way of getting around everywhere in the States, but also so that people feel safe doing it. Because I know one thing, I talk to a lot of friends who live in California or Michigan or other states, and they're like, yeah, I mean, my number one thing is I don't want to get hit. And I'm like, I 
completely understand that. Not an irrational fear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just hit last week. I mean, I'm fine. But yeah, like it, it is very much a thing. So yeah, I think there needs to be, you know, more from both federal and state and city governments to really set up that biking infrastructure and make it safer. And then, yeah, there should be some reflection in pop culture, I think, too, of let's see more people on e-bikes these days. You know, it's funny because I work in television, not in fictional stuff, more like documentary style stuff. But I was thinking like, okay, if I'm a producer of The Bachelor and I want to get my secret bike agenda on that show, I think what I should do is let's have The Bachelor at home in mm-hmm. his apartment and we take all the women and we can we can flip this for genders however you <laughs> want to do this and we say okay the prize today is going to be like you move on to the next round if you are the first person to show up at his apartment mm-hmm. and you can you can drive there <laughs> you can bike there you can take the bus or oh, you can walk great i love where you're and, going uh, with this. you know you've got like 10 women and you drop them off like at the port authority or something like that and say go And uh, they've got to get to Williamsburg or wherever he lives. This is the very New York centric version of this show, I I admit. You just like get one of the ladies on an electric city bike and uh, boom, she wins the challenge and that's it. And (laughs) and the person in a car, maybe they show up first, but they're still looking for parking and they Mm -hmm. lose. Yeah, TV producers, if you're out there listening to this, you know, Doug is coming up with some great ideas we need here more, for you. We also need more product placement, more like Brompton product placement in television shows. Well, I mean, I, I really do wonder how much of this is about actual product placement. I mean, this is something that the automobile industry obviously does is they use pop culture overtly as a marketing tool. So a lot of these mm-hmm. cars that you're seeing on shows, like like there was an example on, I don't know if you guys are watching Succession. Yeah, yeah. So Succession is the story about this powerful Rupert Murdoch like, you know, media family and they're all battling for control of the media empire. It's actually quite meaningless you know, <laughs> like when you there's like no larger context to their battling. It's just like, who's going to control the TV company but in the trailer for season four i noticed that they have this incredibly sleek electric vehicle that shows up i had to google it but it's a it's a car called a lucid air or something like that and it's it's got like over a thousand horsepower it can go like 168 miles per hour it's very Mm. sleek and modern and but so in that the electric car is depicted as the symbol of you know luxury and wealth and power and I also just wondered, okay, did they like pay to put the Lucid Air in succession? Mm-hmm. Because that seems like the perfect spot for them. There's just a lot of money going into culture making. Yeah, it's a little harder when it's something a little more subtle. Like, yeah, you see the car brand just pulling up in a TV show, whereas like a cycle brand may not show up as prominently. As I mentioned, when it comes to Flatbush misdemeanors, there are a lot of like bikes and brands you could see hanging off the wall but yeah overall it's just not not as much of a thing that you get and whether that's a question of ad budgets or just overall assets i think it also comes down to the very fact that the car whether electric or gas powered or hybrid or whatever is seen as okay this person has money and that is a good thing that this person has money and is established Whereas if you're a cyclist, you probably do not have money. And that is bad because you don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. Yeah. 
And on that note, that is it for this episode of The War on Cars. Natish Pawa, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you? Obviously at Slate. Mm-hmm. How yeah. about elsewhere? Yeah, you can read my work at Slate. You can find me on Twitter for however long it continues to last. <laughs> Twitter slash Doge. Yeah. Dogecoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Social media oh network. Goodness. Yeah, if, you, if you're still logging on there, uh, you can find me at Pawa underscore Natish. I'm on Instagram too. We'll put links to everything in the Are you on Mastodon yet? I am on Mastodon, yes. You can find me at natish.power at journa.host. Oh, Oh, nice. Nice. I think that's the first time I've ever given a Mastodon plug. Very exciting. I'm I'm slowly migrating over there. It's happening. It's a nice place. If you want to support The War on Cars, go to thewaroncars.org. Click support us. Join today. Starting at just $3 per month, you'll get access to exclusive bonus content. We'll send you stickers and lots of other goodies. And thanks to everyone who has signed up on Patreon, including our top supporters, Charlie G of Human Powered Law in Portland, Oregon, the Law Office of Vaccaro and White in New York City, Virginia Baker, Martin Mignot, and Mark Headland. And we mentioned this before, but we have partnered with the folks at micromobility.io. You can save 20% on tickets to their conferences in Amsterdam this June and San Francisco this October by using the link in our show notes. If you go, you'll get to ride the latest e-bikes and small EVs. You'll get to meet industry leaders and journalists from around the world. You can head to Micromobility Europe, that's in Amsterdam, and Micromobility America, that's in San Francisco. Again, check the link in the show notes and you'll save 20% on tickets. Special thanks to our sponsors, Cleverhood. The coupon code this month is April Showers. Just go to cleverhood.com slash war on cars, enter coupon code April Showers for special discounts on all of their great rain gear. Also special thanks to Rad Power Bikes. Again, a special URL, radpowerbikes.com slash war on cars. All kinds of discounts available at Rad Power Bikes. This episode was recorded by Josh Wilcox at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. It was edited by Ali Lemer. Our music is by Nathaniel Goodyear. I'm Doug Gordon. I'm Aaron Napperstack. And this is The War on Cars. That's not a bike, that's a transformer.